Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. Everybody, welcome back to uh, this is week. Uh, what is this week? It's uh, week technically week three, but we're on to episode four. Week three of uh, On Target, our weekly dive into uh, Marvel Studios Hawkeye. Once again, I am your host Wes, and I am joined here in the Saw Cave with uh, co-host extraordinaire Andy. Hello, and uh, once again, sir, uh, you have the con. I do. <laughs> so I guess we'll uh, dive right in on it this week. So we're dealing with episode four. And... Episode four. Uh, quick, uh, quick note today or today. This week's episode, a little shorter this week. It is. It's, it's technically uh, the shortest episode to date. It's like thirty. I think it was like thirty-four minutes without credits and forty-one with. Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, just a quick uh, comment on pacing because there's a lot of uh, exposition this week. I actually thought the pacing was pretty tight. Yeah, it was yeah. A very good I, episode. I very much. Uh, I'm, I very much enjoyed that. Normally, normally I'm in for the long haul, um, but at the end of this one, even though it was um, somewhat shorter, I did not feel uh, cheated in any way. No, yeah, no, we got a whole lot packed into this. Yeah, I think so. Why don't we uh, get into it? Yeah. So this one is titled uh, "Partners." Am I right? Or am I right? Am I right? Uh, it is directed by Bert and Bertie who yeah. are a British directing duo best known for their work on Troop Zero, which is an Amazon original. I keep thinking of, uh, is it is it a television uh, redo of Troop Beverly Hills? It may be. I'm not too sure. I feel like it has that same kind of... Uh, Oddly enough, that one was it, on yeah. the movie network tonight. Was it? <laughs> it was. Uh, but, uh, our writers this episode are uh, Aaron Cancino and Heather Quinn, and it appears that this is their first like full on credit as writers. Oh, good like, for them. They've got production assistant and whatnot on a few other shows. And but, wait, wait, uh, uh, isn't uh, now we talked about these uh, one. I, I can't remember from our previous episode. Is this one of these ladies? Was one of them a, uh, uh, basically a, a, a writer in training on the last thing that they worked on? I think so. I don't remember. It, it wasn't like full, you know, head writer. It was. Yeah. Like, screenwriting and whatnot like they were a guild apprentice or something quite possible yeah 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 but uh we get some interesting developments going on here this week and uh we pick up right where we left off the last episode with uh the ronin blade at clint's throat yes our uh our dear friend jack jacques duquesne which you know uh, even d- despite the uh, revelation this week i i know they really played up the cheat like you just want to twirl that mustache and you give do. the the dirt dastardly. Yeah, <laughs> and he really leans into he it. He does. <laughs> yeah, and it go. It's like right intense, but Kate comes running down the hall and, uh, you know, don't don't do anything. It's Hawkeye. He's an Avenger, and she quickly gets Jack to stand down. And as Eleanor enters the room, you know, she she recognizes him right off the bat, and then yeah. Jack, he's like, "Oh, you're Archer." Yeah, that's going to come up later on in the episode as well, right? Yep. So again, with the branding issue, but uh, wrong, <laughs> wrong Archer. But this does answer our question from last episode. And since neither one seemed to recognize each other on a more personal level, yeah, chances are they're not going down that comic book origin road. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, 
we do get a really good back and forth scene here because they've all sat down for tea after everything's calmed down. And Jack is kind of thrilled with, you know, the prospect of Kate working with Clint. But Eleanor is not so pleased. No. And, uh, you know, it's a great back and forth across the table. And Eleanor gets right down to business demanding, you know, what is the truth? She really, last week we talked about, uh, I questioned, you know, do we think that there's something more sinister going on with her? I think there might be. And I got the impression that this week, like, there's still enough reasonable doubt for me to think that there is more to her character than we know. But at the same time, in this particular sequence, she comes across like, like the CEO of a major security company would like that's her, it's her job to be in the know. And she seems to know quite a bit. She does. Yeah. But, and like, even the slide, I kind of called it interrogation because she's pressing them. Well, yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't play any different than an interrogation. So might call it what it is. Yeah. But uh, demanding the truth, you know, Clint reluctantly admits, yeah, we are working together. And uh, after that, you know, she also tells, you know, Kate, you're staying here. And yeah, can I yeah, see yeah. you out, Hawkeye? I love the, in that sequence, though, the two of them sitting on the couch, how she, like, she's still this, like, bubbly, like, enthusiastic, like, yep. hey, hey. And he's just, like, grizzled and yep. straight-faced and, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So on the way out, though, uh, Clint tries to reassure Eleanor that Kate is very skilled, but uh, I don't know if it's intentionally or not, but she strikes a nerve and says, you know, Natasha Romanoff had skills too, but it's not always enough. And then, you know, she appeals to him like, are you a parent? And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, she's like, I can tell you, you are. And uh, she's like, can you just forget this case? And he's like, I, I can't, I'm sorry, but I guarantee Kate will be safe. Right. And uh, as the elevator doors close, we do see that uh, on his way out, he has picked up the Ronin sword. Yeah. You know, I killed I, the last episode uh, as they were this episode when she's at the door and I couldn't help but like stare. Did you notice the, uh, the, the bucket of umbrellas at the door? I did not. There was like no less than like three swords in the bucket. <laughs> and i thought is he gonna pick up on that like there's swords everywhere in this place it literally is and uh you know for for a fleeting second i wondered was he gonna like snag it and uh, of course he does and yep. even goes so far as to to uh pull the retractor thing mm-hmm. still doesn't satisfy the uh i mean it, it makes for a cheaper movie prop i guess if you just that too it makes yeah. it easier to sneak out of places well uh, there you go i mean uh, i don't i don't want to write that one off to uh plot armor but i mean it 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 is what it needs to be i guess yeah. twice yeah. now it has yeah benefited yeah. the situation exactly but uh he also once he gets in the elevator sends a text to laura to have her look into sloan limited right and, and since when did laura become so uh pivotal in uh in, in the his in his operations yeah, yeah yeah i'm gonna get into that here because okay, this good. brings up a couple things and we speculated as to how much she actually knows. And, uh, Laura. Yeah. 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 And this kind of tells us she's kind of moved into a guy in the chair type role. And we're going to see that again later on. Yeah. So chances are very slim. She doesn't know every aspect of what goes on with Clint. Yeah. Uh, I, it just, I, I always presume that, I mean, obviously they had been together for a while, uh, long enough to have a relationship and go on and have kids. So in my mind, no doubt that she, she's known for a while that you know as a shield agent that what his job entails and and then moving on to becoming an avenger like that's just a natural extension of that yeah but this week almost goes on to you know plant the idea that there's there's more to her than what the show is uh is revealing to us Mm -hmm. it's it's really leaning into the ultimate comics version of it because in that he is married to Laura and she is like, you know, his support and she knows all about his Avengering. Okay. But uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Sure. Uh, We flip back to Eleanor in another part of the apartment and she's making an urgent phone call to someone. Oh yeah. But uh, just who this is, we do not know yet, but. uh, So, I mean, I, I like where you're going with that. I like the, uh, I like this the is a big mystery. I like me. the silhouette you've put there, but I, part of me thought, is she maybe just using the resources that are available to her through her company? It's quite possible. You know, she's getting some kind of, you know, I don't want to say minion, but, uh, 
somebody, you know, like a VP or somebody within the company to, to look into stuff for her. See, I don't think it's a minion because she calls and says, you know, I need to speak with so-and-so. Uh, fair enough. And, but like, it feels like she's talking to somebody above her. Yes. So, uh, going on from there, uh, we go back to the street and we find Clint making a phone call to Laura to see what she's come up with. Right. Right. And she's talked to someone who's very busy learning Russian and jogging. And I don't know if this is meaning that she actually talked to somebody or it's just code words for tracks. Yeah. 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 Um, but last week we talked about, uh, his phone. Yes. Did we, uh, did I, we, did you work it into this week? I forgot. Oh, uh, that's okay. We can talk about it quickly now. Cause yeah. do you, do you have a slide for the phone call? Uh, I do have a slide for the phone call because very clearly in this, in this scene, that's a different phone. Yeah. It is a modern, looks like a modern smartphone that he's calling Laura with, which means that the, the uh, the other one phone, definitely a burner phone. And so like <laughs> last week we talked about not knowing sort of the, whether it was a prop phone or not. Turns out that that's a real phone that you could buy uh, from Amazon. It cost something like 40 US dollars. And the funny, the funny thing about it was it came, and this is where I laugh, I laugh my ass off. That little flip phone uh, came with a free three month subscription to a telehealth service. And I thought, is that an intentional nod, you know, to uh, someone like Clint who, who's not super powered. Who would need might need that might, might need medical uh, advice regularly? <laughs> but thinking now that it was a flip phone, it does make me want to go back to uh, to Infinity War, yeah, and look at the phone that Tony was going to call Steve on, because that was a flip phone too. That's a really good point. So maybe they got like Avengers flip phone deals. <laughs> they got the Tony Stark discount. Maybe. I'll just buy the company. <laughs> So uh, back to this, though, it's uh, it's also possible that, you know, maybe they have a contact within the track suits. Yeah. So uh, we go on to find that Sloan Limited is a front for them. And Jack Duquesne is the CEO. So Clint, he postures, maybe they're just laundering money for the big guy. You slimy dude. And, you know, the big guy can be another hint. At, well, uh, is that just another like, ah, ha, ha. Could be the kingpin. <laughs> But uh, that is the reigning theory. And I mean, that's I mean, I think it's pretty clear. That's what we're going with. Until, it is. So if until they tell anything, us otherwise, if we get anything less, it'll be like, oh, yeah, disappointment. But Laura asks, you know, who uh, she asks if anything else was taken from the Avengers compound and she asks it in German. Right. To uh, I think that's more for the, the kids benefit, though. Yeah, because she is like using code word. So they're not fully. Yeah, in yeah, on yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where you kind of get into this, like, whoa, whoa, what's up with her? Yeah, because she's got, like, skills going on here, yeah. extra languages. and uh, But she's the one that asks about the Rolex. Right. And, I mean, I think early on, um, you had mentioned that right from episode one, you're like, oh, that watch is going to come back. Yeah, I thought it was Tony Stark, but now. So did I. This means it's debunked. It's not Tony Stark's watch. Well, that goes back to the line when they were talking about the, when he's, uh, Clint is talking about the watch with Kate and she says, who's does it belong to? And he says a retired friend. Yeah. So, I mean, what options are there for that? True. Um, should I just like put it on the nose and, and throw it out there? Yeah, go for it. Do we think the watch belongs to Steve Rogers hmm. and Steve Rogers is still alive? Huh? That's a maybe. So the uh, that's one. And then the other one I thought was in light of everything that's going on, we'll talk about the, I'm going to tie this back to the Pim arrow from last week um, that there was a lot of sort of social media, like, Oh, he's retired and all this other stuff. Could Hank Pym be the person who's now bankrolling the Avengers operations? Maybe. And so maybe the watch belongs to Hank Pym. That's possible. So that's, that's the two. That seems to be the two prevalent theories and and I'm split right down the middle as to where I kind of lean to that one. I, I think it could be either of them. Well, there is a third theory, but I'm going to get to that one organically later. Yeah. Okay. Um, because you know, Laura goes on to say, we thought that it was destroyed years ago. Oh yeah. Along with Clint's fancy outfit. Oh yes. Yes. So that tells fancy us, outfit. you know, she knows about Ronan. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Probably there is not much. She doesn't know. So that brings up a whole other host of things, right? Because that means on a personal level, like 
yeah, you were gone for five years, but then you you're back. And then there's the realization that, uh, you know, you were married to a murderer. True. Does it, are you a murderer if you're only killing bad guys? Don't know. You know, there's that whole, like, ask the punisher. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, as at this point in the conversation, you know, he's looking over his shoulder, checking to make sure nobody else is listening. Yeah. Because, you know, does he sense someone's following him at this point or. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, because there is uh, in the previous shot here, uh, there is this girl at the hot dog cart who's kind of eyeing him up. The uh, girl in the dark sunglasses. Yes, and she yeah, disappears. I see that, I see that. In, in the next uh, sequence here. So right, right. But again, I mean, speaking in broad strokes, sort of the the macro look. I mean, with we know that uh, secret invasion is coming. Yes, we do. So I mean, could that just be like? if we're going to link that directly to the, the larger scope of things, could that be part of the setup for that? It's quite possible. Yeah. 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 But uh, agreeing that, you know, it's something worth looking into. He asks Laura, if she can see if there's still a signal from the transmitter. Right. And that's more of that guy in the chair action. And at the same yeah. time, how is she checking that? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, why is that watch pinging? What kind of transmitter is in a watch for uh well, that particular reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we don't know much about her past, Laura's being. Yeah. But now we know she's good at running down info. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. German, and she's concerned about the whereabouts of the watch. Yes. So Laura tells Clint, you know, get some rest, put some ice on it, and uh, they say their goodbyes. And uh, then she turns and tells the kids, you know, he he'll be a couple days longer at work. And, uh, you know, it's sad. He's not home yet. Yeah. And that, that really ties back into that. This is a Christmas yeah, uh, story. Yeah. Christmas type yeah. Story. Yeah. But, uh, we skip back over to Eleanor's apartment and we over her, overhear her telling Jack that, uh, Kate's been obsessed with Clint Barton ever since the attack on New York. Yep. And Jack, you know, he's like, you know, you look like you're getting a headache. I'm going to go get you some tea. And Kate again, tries to bring up the subject of Jack. Right. But because she's got more info now, but uh, she gets shut down. And when Jack returns to the room, he finds them, you know, Eleanor's trying to convince Kate to help plan this Bishop uh, Christmas party. Yeah, that's right. And he's like, oh, the party must have dancing. And she's like, mom doesn't dance. And uh, we get this scene of him, you know, he sweeps her off her feet. They dance around a little bit. And she's just taken aback. I know the the look on her face is it's a true like WTF. Yeah. Because, like, Kate remarks that I've never seen mom like this. Yeah. And Jack, you know, we get treated to an aphorism from him. Life is short. You never know what you're going to get. Oh, I know. <laughs> and this is a great one because we all know it's uh, the Forrest Gump rough, reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, both Eleanor and Kate, they break out laughing at him. And Kate informs him that every time he uses one of these aphorisms, he gets it wrong. It's wrong, yeah. And uh, apparently he's also an other uttered other gems like absence makes the heart grow older <laughs> which he says it's true <laughs> yeah and he's like oh you know what better to be laughed at by family at christmas than to be alone so, that's true yeah so you know maybe he is genuinely wanting to be part of the family right right but uh back with clint we find him using margarita mix as ice packs i had to look at the bags a few times i mean i was a little tired watching it and i'm like is that like frozen fruit i'm like oh and i said to kim what is that and she's like i think it's daiquiri mix i'm like oh that makes sense yeah that too (laughs) so uh you know just as he sits down kate buzzes up and lets him know that she's brought pizza and holiday cheer yeah yeah so uh this we get another nod or a callback to a couple episodes ago that's right Uh, the pizza is from herman's hearty slice which is the pizza joint underneath her apartment it only makes sense that you would buy it from the guy right downstairs. True. But she keeps returning to the scene of the crime. Who may or may not also be the landlord. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, but fun fact here, according to mculocationscout.com. Oh, okay. The real world filming location for Herman's yeah. is 87 Broad Street Southwest yep. in Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. But it's fun because this location also shares another tie to Hawkeye. Because this street doubled as Tokyo for the Ronin oh. scene in the Avengers Endgame where Natasha finally catches up with him. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. So double duty on this street. Very nice. But uh, 
Clint asks her, you know, what's the rest of the stuff that you brought? And she begins to show him. And turns out she's brought a whole slew of movies for movie night. Yeah. And there's lots of little Easter eggs in there because you get like Elf and Die Hard, Christmas Vacation, Santa Claus. Uh, there's also Rudolph and uh, the Polar Express as well. So um, how many of those movies are appearing on Disney Plus currently? <laughs> Good question. Because I don't know. I know a couple of them will be. Yeah, for there's sure, there's definitely uh, a couple of them there. Santa Claus is one of them for sure. Yeah. And Elf probably will too, but there's a John Favreau connection there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, before they can go into the movies, you know, Clint wants to talk about Sword Boy. Yep. And uh, he goes on to tell her that Sloan is the shell company and Jack is the CEO. And Kate resolves that they're going to have to come up with a plan to take down her mom's fiance's organized crime ring while oh, right. simultaneously having a heartwarming yes. holiday celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to do this whether you like it or not. Yeah. And we're going to have fun. <laughs> so uh, as they don their ugly Christmas sweaters, they begin working out a plan. And in doing so, we're, we're shown another one of Aunt Moira's movie posters, which she uses as a dry erase board. Right, right. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you sure those dry erase? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get the title here, and it's A Chance of Love. And we also get a couple comedy beats, like you said, because Quint, Clint questions, you know, is that poster really dry erase? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's not. She no. tries to wipe it off, and it's a fail. And just kind of like, oh, like she knows that she's like tripped on it. Yeah. And it's just like, oh. oh okay. And then uh, we got our next one here because they're sitting on the couch. They're talking about trick arrows. And Kate makes a suggestion for a boomerang arrow. And Clint scoffs at it. And it's funny because right, right. the shoe is on the other foot in the comics because, you know, whereas he's laughing at it in the comics, he's telling her to respect the gear. And in particular, he pulls out a boomerang, the arrow. boomerang arrow. Yeah. Oh, and both of them are like, what do you need that for? Because it comes back. I still don't get it. I mean, great. Yeah, great. <laughs> there's a comic book nod, but I just don't get why. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it goes off, does what it needs to, and comes back. Well, I mean, whatever's on the end of it, I I, I mean, is it useful? I don't know. True. Because they do make a point of saying, you know, the uh, trick arrowheads, they're no problem. To get you know what, off. though? Let me, as I'm thinking this through here, I'm, I'm really thinking it through, and I'm thinking sort of the origins of the boomerang. The boomerang would come back to you if you didn't hit the thing you were aiming at. True. So maybe that is the, it's the last ditch. I've only got one left, and if I screw it up, I might get it back. Mm. Okay, I'm thinking about this way too hard. Well, if you're trying to like tether a cable or something, attach it, and it goes around whatever suppose, poster you're doing. Yeah, then. that's also yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally because <laughs> that comes up all the time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Kate makes the suggestion. He laughs at it, and then we move on, and we get a bit of a Christmas montage. Well, they're making you know margaritas or daiquiris, whatever they may be. Yeah. Uh, frozen slushy drinks. Frozen slushy. Yum yum yum. Uh. But while they're decorating the tree, Kate says, you know, is there any more tricks that you can show me? And uh, he holds up this little Christmas ornament and he says, you know, I can knock a guy out from 20 feet with this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, you know, you can use a, a quarter or a nickel, but not a dime because it's too light. Too light. And, you know, Kate kind of laughs this off and then goads him on like, show me, show me, show me. Yeah. He's like, what, you want me to knock you out? <laughs> And she's like, no, but make a shot. Yeah, do something. So he does. He wings it off, like, without even looking, and turns the power off on the TV. Gets the double rebound. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Or the bank shot. Bing, bing. Yep. Uh, and she's like, oh, my God, you got to show me how to do that, which leads to a fun little montage of her trying to pick up this new trick. And I don't know if they're aiming for that or just because of how you do it, but Clint tells her, just give it a little snap. Yeah. So uh, during this whole montage, though, and the snap, the mug he's drinking out of Thanos says Thanos was right. right. Give it a little snap. And this little gem pops up multiple times throughout here. Oh, so uh, not only is this phrase, you know, graffiti about town, but now it's like a slogan on mugs. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. Stuff. Uh, we also get another glimpse of another Moira film. Oh. And this one is titled The Savage Hyrax. Oh, okay, okay. Now, I went looking for a connection to comics or anything, and I could not find one. No. But the Hyrax itself is a rodent-like creature 
And when it's full grown, it's between 12 and 20 inches long. Okay. And they're related to elephants and manatees. Distantly? Uh, I think so, but they're okay. on the same tree. They're also endangered. Uh, yeah, okay. But uh, they don't exactly look savage. Uh, nor like an elephant or a manatee. No, but I guess they share <laughs> bone structure or some weird. Thing. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But uh, back to our show. <laughs> when Kate asks Clint what was the best shot he ever took, uh, the festive vibe goes a full one eighty, and he's like, "The one I didn't take." Yeah. It turns out that he's talking about the time he met Natasha. And you know, Kate goes on to apologize for asking, but he says it's all right. In this line of work, it's about managing loss. Yeah. And she also figures out Clint lost his family in the snap. And then she puts it together that Clint was Ronan. It's really important though. Like there's some really deep moments here, like for their, uh, how the two of these characters are connecting, because now you're, you're getting Clint who's really showing a, a moment of vulnerability talking about, you know, not only does it, it, it inform us about how close that he and Natasha were, but we also find out that, he was actually sent out to take her down. Yeah. And uh, he chose not to. And, and at first you're like, wait, what is he? Is he like regretting that he didn't like pursue her personally, like romantically? No, no. He's, he further explains that, yeah. you know, it he looked gave, like she wanted out and he gave her a chance to get, yeah, out yeah, her, yeah. So. You know, further, you know, we've talked about the survivor guilt thing yeah, and it, and it comes through here again. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Because after a brief discussion, you know, Clint asserts that he was just doing what he was trained to do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A weapon and he was aimed and set loose. And yeah, because Kate kind of does the, she, she's still on very, the hero very camp. childlike, very enthusiastic. You're a hero. And he's like, no, I was a weapon. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was, I just happened to be aimed at the right people. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he thanks her for what she did with all the Christmas festivities and tells her, you know, it's time to get some rest. Yep. And he's alone with his thoughts. And, First, he goes to his family, then Ronan, and finally Natasha, and yeah, her words yeah. are echoing through his head. So, uh, you know, he's still dwelling on it. I think there's a there's a part of him like that still wishes, thinks it should have been him that went off the off the cliff. Oh, for sure, yeah, for sure. But uh, in the morning, we get uh, Clint still using that Thanos mug. Yep, <laughs> and uh, Kate enters the scene wearing a t-shirt with a russian language on it and an arrowhead oh okay so uh it turns out not only does this shirt add another uh oh, triangle little, type, uh, sputnik thing going on there it is uh this the real world connection here is that uh, it translates to leka and oh, leka was the russian space the name dog. of the dog yeah and she was the live passenger on sputnik 2 okay but that's sto- like she was hailed as a hero and everything yeah yeah, yeah yeah it would come out in 2002 45 years after the fact that uh, Leica, which translates to Barker, yeah, probably died in agony only a few hours after going after into orbit. launch? Yeah. Yeah. Due in part to them trying to rush the satellite into space and not doing proper checks. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. But uh, to get us back on track from that sad note, uh, Clint tells Kate that uh, he's going to go have a talk with Kazi. And oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a great sequence, it too. Is. Uh <laughs> And she's got a job of her own. She has to go retrieve the arrows with some help of the LARPers. So they get to come. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The what? (laughs) Yeah. She arrives in the park to find some of them and they're practicing some uh, maneuvers and whatnot. And upon introducing herself, Wendy Conrad, AKA Elsbeth of Deepdale. Yeah. Introduces herself as the police officer. So there's our link to get the arrows. Well, back. we said uh, that the fire, uh, and I can't think of his name, the firefighter Rills. character. We said, you know what? He's probably going to turn up again. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, there he is. Yeah. I'm going to hold off on her connection to the 616 just for a moment. Oh, okay. Fair uh, enough. Because Kate goes on to ask, you know, I need some help with some run of the mill evidence tampering in yeah, order yeah. to get the arrows back. And Wendy agrees, but as long as they make it worth their while. And Grills chimes in here, our while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate, you know, yep, yep, whatever you need, done. Sure. So, uh, from I'm there, on, you know. I'm on an Avenger level uh, mission here, yeah. and I'm I'm Hawkeye's partner. <laughs> yeah, and them haven't met Hawkeye, they have uh, no issues with that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we catch up to Kazi, and he's coming out of a used car lot, and it's not fully clear, but if you look at the top there, 
in, I'm pretty sure it says fat man used cars. Oh my so Lord. Yes. Another connection possibly to the Kingpin. I just liked how the, uh, the shot at the pan uh, as he, as he walks out and it's like, I think back to the last episode uh, when Clinton Kate took the, the car big chrysler yeah and i'm like wow like is that all they sell are these land yachts <laughs> <laughs> as he walks by two of them yeah and like, is that the like, same car is that that's a third the thing they got three of them jesus a lot of older stuff in there too yeah yeah but uh you know he enters his vehicle and he's caught off guard because clint's already in the back seat waiting for him yeah like so many know. murder victims yeah. and uh he goes for his gun but clint's already got it it's like the it's like every horror movie trope. The person who like thinks they're getting away, and next thing you know, from the back seat. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice twist on it because you know he's like, you know, I'm only here to talk. Yeah, which they do. And Clint figures Kazi's the only one that can convince Maya to give up the chase for Ronan. And he mentions, you know, you worked for uh, for William for four years, and then yes. you worked for Maya for a bunch of years, and you know what Maya's boss wants and yeah. what he's done to get it. it, it they really go out of their way to not name names, but it's like, and you know, he wouldn't like it. Yeah. You know, that the attention that, uh, that has been uh, given. Yeah. But at least that narrows it down. It's a, he, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all that but, attention that this is, uh, bringing to the whole thing is dangerous and it will get Maya killed. Is there an irony in the fact that Kazi's like shitty neck tattoo is the, is like the Pontiac firebird logo. Maybe. <laughs> Phoenix connection. I don't know. Well, see, you can't not, you know, I don't want to read into every little thing, but it's like, oh, yeah. knowing that she is an embodiment of, yeah, uh, at least in the comic books, you kind of go, is that a, is that a nod? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think anything is here by accident. But it is a shitty tattoo. It is. <laughs> uh, but Kazi, when he flat out asks Clint, what do you want? He says, yeah. I don't want anyone else to die. No, and I think and that's, that's, I think it. he's very genuine in that too. Yeah. And he says, you know, get her to knock it off. This is your last warning. Yep. And then you get this little comedy beat because uh, he's like, well, can I at least have my gun back? Uh, and he's yeah. like, sure you can. And as he gets out and he fires it off in the lot somewhere. So, yeah. 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 You know, because he's not happy about that. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> can I have my gun back? Yeah. Sure. Sure. In a minute, we'll find it. But back at uh, Moira's apartment, Clint finds grills making snickerdoodles right and kate's getting fitted for some viking armor by missy who is played by adele drehos oh and it's here after finding out that missy made the uh the armor by hand right that the favor kind of gets solidified well and then you know immediately where this is going you do yeah. i mean they tease it in the uh the silhouette opening and everything oh yes of course they do yeah but uh kate asks if missy could make two outfits for her and clint but just then grills jumps in. He's like, well, why not make the deal? Get materials for costumes for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so what does she, she agrees to, uh, what about for all of you plus two, two more. more? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Clint, a little miffed by this, he's telling her, you know, you were only supposed to get the arrows, not stage a play. Yeah. And Missy corrects him. Uh, you know, we're not staging a play. We're a guild. Yeah. So, uh, right then, Clint gets a text from Laura saying the Rolex was not destroyed and yep. it's currently at three, seven, 15 Godfrey road. And this prompts Clint to tell him, you know, we got to go. And Kate, or he's like, I got to go. And Kate jumps in, you know, no, yeah. no, we've yeah. got to go. Right. Cause and, uh, uh, we're partners, right? Exactly. And just as Any, anything to the Godfrey road address, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. I was kind of curious myself and I'm like, uh, it could be something, maybe not. I don't know. I could not find anything. But uh, just as they're heading out, Wendy Conrad returns with the bag full of arrows yep. and tells him, you know, arrow retrieval mission complete. So he attempts to just grab the bag of Take arrows. Bag, and she's yeah. like, no, this was a gift from my wife. Yeah. She had bombshell embroidered on it. And <laughs> uh, here's where we're going to dive in on Wendy Conrad. Because oh, the character bombshell was created by Mark Grunwald and Elliot Drown. Okay. And first appeared in Hawkeye number three back in August of 1983. Oh, really? She was a mercenary who specialized in explosives. Yep. And she would go on to be a member of criminal organizations like oh. Jugglers of Death. Or no, uh, it was an organization of criminal jugglers. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they were called the Death Throws. The Death Throws. So they throw death. 
Uh, then she would go on to be part of the Femizons. Femizons. Wow, that's not on the nose at all. Yeah. And then she would go on to work with Misty Knight during the Villains for Hire series. Villains for Hire. Yeah. So interesting uh, that. So, I mean, uh, longtime villain gets a nod without, you know, diving too hard into it. But they've they've subverted that by making her a cop. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, neat little touch. But uh, moving on, we find uh, Hawkeye and Kate doing some brief recon at 3715 Godfrey Road. And everything appears quiet and calm, like lights are out and everything. And Kate suggests, you know, this roof that they've chosen is too low. And he's quick to point out, you know, it's better to have a quick exit than a quick entrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, little by little, he is imparting his knowledge. Uh, He goes on to suggest that uh, he can use his grappling hook to get up there. And he should be inside in around three and a half minutes. But as he turns to tell Kate to watch out for stuff, you know, it's too late. She's already gone. The way that uh, they played it, too, and they kept the camera on him while he's got, you know, face into the binoculars. And he's so focused and he's and you know, he's given his big, uh, you know, uh, teaching moment. And I I, I turned to Kim, uh, to my wife, and I said, she's already gone. <laughs> sure enough, he, pull, he takes his hand out of the binoculars. Oh, yeah, man. How long has he been talking to himself? You know? uh, yes. But uh, Kate has already made her way down to the street and is proceeding right through and she's going right to the front door and she gets in by offering to help one of the residents with his groceries. I have to say, though, uh, good on her for getting in without having to, you know, break anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, all this much to the chagrin of Clint, who's now stuck on lookout. Right. She makes her way through the building and uh, she asks about the giant bow problem. And he says, well, I got a collapsible one. I got a collapsible one. And uh, she gets to the door and Clint says, you know, you're all clear. Go for it. And sing like one handed. She picks the lock. Yeah, that's not, uh, you know. You know, there's a skill I don't think you would pick up normally, but. I think of all of the uh, like the reality TV shows that we've seen where like like the repo shows and stuff where it's like or you've seen in other movies, too, where it's like it's always like two tool, two picks at the yeah, same time. And it's like, Oh, the, she the just teeth and one to hold. The yeah. Bottom. Yeah. yeah. One handed. Good for you, Kate Bishop. Yeah. But upon entry, you know, it turns out she's triggered a silent alarm and multiple strobe lights start going off and she's pretty quick. She hits them with the goo arrows, the goop arrows. Yeah. So they're making it to see that they've returned, come back. And uh, she says, you know, what am I looking for? And Clint tells her, you know, it's a vintage Rolex that belongs to someone I used to work with. Yeah. They've been out of the game a long time, but their identity is still attached to the watch. Right. So it doesn't belong to Tony, but. uh, I think it's, we can definitely rule that one out. Yeah. Because also here we find out uh, just based on the lighting, because in the first episode, it looked red. It looked like Tony. That's what I thought too. Yeah. Red. But when she puts a light on it here, uh, you know, it's, it's more copper. It still could be red. It just may be that, you know, the flashlight kind of gives it that quality because in the, the light of the, what is it? The, the illegal auction it yeah. just was lit differently. Yeah. It was like orange street lighting, I guess. So I don't know enough about vintage Rolex watches, but uh, if you guys do let us know. Yeah. Especially ones that have little transmitters in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of internet theories floating around about who the watch belongs to. And some people are claiming that perhaps it's Clint's wife, Laura, and maybe she was once the Avenger known as Mockingbird. Oh, I never even considered that. Well, I'm going to poke a hole in that right now. Oh, okay. Because this is a huge red flag for me. Right. Uh, Yes. In the comics, Clinton Mockingbird were married. Yes. Her identity was Bobby Morse. Yep. And Likert or not, Bobby Morse has been introduced in canon in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that's uh, Adrian Pilecki. Yeah. And oh, she made her debut there in the second season while they were still dealing with the fallout from the Hydra insurgents in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So as so, far as her being Mockingbird, I think this is a huge misdirect. Well, let's chew on that for a second because we've already criticized uh, the, the tie-ins, like the, the television tie-ins to the MCU. And I think we both kind of agree that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is perhaps the the weakest the, yeah the weakest so 
could they just ignore it and and push ahead and just retcon it or it's possible but i don't think they can because colson is canon yeah i think that's like the biggest argument for is at least the first couple seasons before it yeah, went off yeah, the rails yeah. with you know <laughs> crazy space travel right right alternate universes and time travel but and which right now is a staple of the mcu by is. the way so, you know maybe maybe they just speared off but in this particular timeline she entered when it was still fully connected to the mcu yeah okay fair enough so we're gonna say it's a no to mockingbird i'm saying no she's not i will join you with that yep not mockingbird but uh you know watch in hand do you have any other ideas though about about uh laura i do not not yet me neither i need more info i just wonder if she has a see there's always that uh you know the the thing in the wind that's kind of there but not there and it's like fury Mm, i mean fury's still in the game i know that he's not we don't think he's presently on Earth. No, we think he's at uh, possibly the sword station. But I still think he's in the game. And yeah. I mean, and if Fury was able to set everything up for Clint to get away to be with his family, maybe there's more of a personal connection there. Maybe. Maybe Fury's doing stuff behind the scenes. Well, especially in the Ultimate Comics, because he names one of his children uh, Nikki. Oh, after nice. Nick cool. Fury. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Which also lends itself into the whole, like, well, Fury's in space with Talos, which really lends itself to that whole secret invasion thing yeah that's coming but uh watch in hand kate turns to leave but she spies a notepad and on it she finds clint's name and the names of his family yeah and clint tells her you know get out now because that alarm was for uh for the deaf and we she spins around the apartment we see photos and this is indeed maya lopez's apartment and uh clint says he's on the way but before he can do anything, you know, we hear a scuffle through Kate's earpiece. Yeah, like there's some kind of fight or something is broken out. Yeah, and uh, it, it's funny at the same time because before Kate can go any further, we find Maya in the apartment and we get this great dual fight scene because we've got Maya and Kate going at it in the apartment. Yes. And, you know, Maya's, Maya's here. What are you talking about? She's here on the roof with me. Yeah. Yeah. And Maya is just kicking Kate's ass at this point uh yeah kicking butt and taking names yeah which leaves the question you know who is fighting clint on the roof i have to say that she does a very convincing i'm angry look she does yeah yeah and clint you know he's like who the hell am i fighting as soon as i mean we flip back to the rooftop clint is clearly fighting somebody it doesn't take very long to determine "Mm, that's a female silhouette yeah and And i mean uh, i don't know about you but i was immediately like oh i know who that is yeah because if you didn't though we are given a couple clues right at the beginning. Oh, yes. Fighting style and a very specific landing pose. Well, <laughs> I said that. I'm like, have been scoffed I'm at, like, there it is. There's the hero landing. I'm yeah. like, I know who that is. Yep. But uh, Clint manages, you know, he gets a moment to reprieve and he manages to fire off a zip line so Kate can make her quick escape. Yeah. And this one's kind of weird. Like it shoots out from both ends, even though he's firing an arrow that is true maybe this is a boomerang effect i don't know uh maybe but uh you know maya back in her apartment she narrowly misses kate with a knife throw yeah and kate makes a break for the zip line but she ends up getting stuck in the middle hanging over the street and she's stuck there until our mystery assassin jumps up and uses the uh the zip line almost like a yeah, i was gonna say like uh uh like a bowstring <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> And that causes Kate to come, you know, knocks her loose and lets her slide the rest of the way. I love how she was hanging in the middle of the street and she was kind of like trying to like yeah, scooch, nudge it forward, scooch down the line. Like I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. Uh, uh. But, uh, you know, as soon as she's there, the assassin knocks her right to the ground. Yeah. And then uh, really quickly, you know, blink and you'll miss it. Uh, assassins got him right. Dead to rights. Oh, dead to rights, for sure. For sure. And uh out of nowhere, Maya comes flying across the zip line and disarms the assassin. Yeah, potentially uh saving both of them, by the way. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a really weird fight at this point because Maya's out for herself, the assassin is out for herself. Right. And it's like a three-way dance, basically. Yeah, we're not sure who's trying to kill who, but somebody's gonna get some killing somewhere. Yeah. So uh Maya also relieves Kate of her bow before ending up on the receiving end of uh, an energy shock 
and the color may be different but this is uh, our, it was this is it was the clue. this was the dead giveaway and if you didn't like if you didn't see it yeah i'm like oh i know what those are too <laughs> yep and then uh, another blink and you'll miss it moment uh the assassin tosses kate over the edge and uh yeah you know it's really really harking really, back to yeah but not before attaching her to an anchor line yeah so, and Cl- but clint doesn't see that he does not see that when but. that's what i mean like it really harkens back to uh to end game where, where yeah you know hanging Gosh. off the side of the cliff yeah so uh you know this tells us that uh she wanted her out of the way but doesn't want her dead doesn't want to kill her yeah, so yeah. kate is not the target and uh you know clint sprints over you know bracing for the worst and looks down and he finds her dangling there i mean it's it's almost exactly beat for beat the same the same uh you know emotional response the same like grasping like the huh yeah as in uh back in the film yeah yeah but uh you know he's staring down at her he's overcome with relief like you know she's safe and kate's pleading pull me up but instead you know he tells her get out of here and he cuts the tether i think the raid there if i was to sort of like infer what's going on right there that's that moment you know when when he's having his uh i guess it's a his his intrusive nightmare mm-hmm. uh that's that whole uh natasha staring up at him saying it's okay and and he's just like not again not yeah. going through this again yeah. cuts her loose get out of here because he knows those you know crisscrossed christmas lights are gonna provide well, the landing she needs to get <laughs> safely down i gotta say uh if i'm ever in the market when i'm in the market for new christmas lights i need to know who made those because man are they Sturdy. ever tough <laughs> yeah and uh you know she does she falls through them and goes through a couple levels of them and uh she lands but uh you know immediately she pops yeah, yeah. back up and defiantly she you know like i'm not staying down here she races right back stomps up. off well <laughs> who are you telling me yeah <laughs> And uh, she gets upstairs pretty quick because she gets up there just in time to find uh, Clint in the middle of a three-way dance where he's just taking it from both of them. And uh, you uh, just, you know, you just said that uh, he's in a three-way taking it from two people. Yeah. Both of them are giving it to him proper. (laughs) Scott, if you were listening, (laughs) (laughs) touche. See, this show can be dirty too. But uh, assessing the situation, Kate, uh, she takes aim and lets loose in the middle of the fray. And turns out it's some sort of concussion blast arrow that uh, knocks. Yeah, that's a down. new one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. It's almost like a, uh, it, it, to me, it reminds me of a flashbang, except the, uh, the, there's definitely like some serious concussive force there yeah. to blow them back. Yeah. Because uh, first to get back up is Kate. Yeah. But Maya's right on her heels too. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, Maya manages to land a kick knocking kate right across the roof and uh kate manages to pop right up again though and she just lets one off finally and uh plants it right in yeah, my shoulder drops an arrow right into her and she draws a second but uh i guess you know Maya ops this is her time to exit so she's time to retreat now that i'm wounded yeah, yeah she takes the first arrow out and uh bails out leaving clinton kate to take on the assassin at which point, you know, Clint, he recovers his bow and he manages to unmask this assassin. I just want to say that the, the, the concussive arrow, the, the flashbang arrow, I guess we can call it the flash, the flash. Sure. Arrow, sure. Um, plays right into what we knew about Maya and her powers, right? Because, because she's deaf, she's the only one not affected by it. Yeah. Which uh, of course she recovered first and, and was right back into the, I'm going to kick some more ass. Yeah. Like Kate was first up, but she was oh, just yeah. away. Yeah. 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 So, you know, uh, okay. Where are we here? Uh, you know, Clint recovers his bow and yep. manages to unmask the assassin only to receive a shocking blow for his troubles. Oh yeah. And this should be the final piece in the identity of our assassin because this indeed they are. is the weapon of a black widow assassin yeah yeah what do so, we call, what do we call these things the widow's bite the widow's bite yeah the widow's bite yep and uh you know with clint down kate she's still got the drop on her and uh she turns around to reveal that yes it is indeed yelena belova yelena the little sister of natasha romanov 
I don't remember. It's my my recollection of the of the Black Widow film is not so great. Does Clint actually know who Yelena is, uh, or I, just that she's a Black Widow assassin? I think that he just knows she's a Black Widow assassin. Right. He doesn't know that there's a personal relationship between the two of them. He might be like the extent of how intimately knowledge they were. Yeah, about each yeah, other. sure, sure. I think it's probably better for storytelling purposes. I think it's probably better that he doesn't. So at least they can explore that as part of the yeah. the, the show going forward, because we know uh, that uh, what Florence Pugh, yeah, yeah, she's Pugh. Co- she's coming back later on. She will be. Yeah. So I mean, clearly, I mean, I hate to say that she's our new Black Widow, but that's really what she is. Yeah. So I mean, I might as well flesh that out on screen. Yeah. 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 But uh, Kate's got her dead to rights, and Yelena shakes her head no, and it gives Kate pause, and you know she lowers her bow. But as soon as she does that, you know, Yelena fires off a little grappling hook and a zip line. And yeah, and off the edge of the building. Off she, she goes. goes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> really similar maneuvers. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Kate rushes over and, you know, Yelena's gone. And she turns and asks Clint, you know, who the hell was that? And Clint replies, you don't want to know. And, uh, you know, she says, I can't be your partner if you don't tell me what's going on. Uh, and then he lays it out brutally for her. He is. He's very cold here. He's like, you're not my partner. You never were. Yeah. That was a, uh, somebody went out and hired a black widow assassin and things have gotten yeah. very real, very quickly. But Kate, you know, she refuses to accept this and Clint stands firm. He's like, no, it's over. I got to do it alone. You got to go home. And we get some really high emotional looks exchanged back and forth here. I mean, she really, really lets him have it in that whole for a minute. I mean, I know they play a lot of the, the comedy uh, between them is, is the fact that she's sort of the, the, the comedic fop while he's the, the straight, like he's the straight shooter, but she drops all of it. And she's like, I know the risk. I chose to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And from his perspective, you know, he can't have her involved because now, death is a possibility right i mean he's already lost one and this is it too like the whole idea of kate being his partner it's it's very much the mirror image of like clearly clint and natasha they were partners yeah can't lose another partner yeah yeah and up until this point right like it's kind of been fun games like you know for her yeah yeah because they can take the tracksuit mafia they can right it's very like low B&E. low level ish yeah, but yeah. now there's like a hired, or, or should I say, street levelish? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but uh, you know, she goes to leave, and uh, we focus in on Clint, and uh, we cut to black. Yep. And that is our episode this week. Yes. So uh, backtracking for a moment, though, we are finally getting the payoff from that uh, post-credit scene in Black Widow. Oh yeah. With uh, we haven't seen Yelena played by Florence Pugh since then, where she was recruited by Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. So can I just, I, (laughs) when Kate's mom picks up the phone, part of me thought that's who she was calling. Hmm. That's who she was talking about or talking to. And that whole idea that, you know, Kate's mom might, I don't know if it's sinister, but there's just something more going on there that we're not aware of. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if that's who she was talking to. Maybe, but uh, this scene, you know, considering how far back it took. Yeah. Clint was a target well before well, Eleanor found out yeah. about him. So, uh, you know, I'm wondering now if we will get to see this Valentina character pop up at some point in the next two episodes. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think she's kind of maybe the, you know, the, the new glue. She's definitely a string puller. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. She is. yeah. Uh, you know, she gets Yelena on board by telling, telling her that, uh, Clint is the one to blame for Natasha's death. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, and there you go. I mean, that's enough to motivate her, even if she wasn't hired. Yeah. That's enough for her to, you know, to seek out some sisterly justice, I guess. Yeah. But again, from this scene, you know, they look at Clint's picture and they're like, oh, you know, he's a cutie implying neither one of them know him. Right. So. But, I mean, look at that photo. I mean, that photo clearly shows him in the Ronin suit. Yeah, so they've got that clearly hashed out. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Florence Pugh did get some more attention on the socials this week. Though. I did. I caught that. Uh, How disappointing is that? I know. Apparently she was blocked from posting on her Instagram account after someone complained about it. Yeah. Someone actually complained about uh, her posting about being in a, in a television show yeah. that she appeared in. Yeah. And she did manage to get a little bit of a story back up on her Instagram story. Yeah. So chances are she's been taken off post block, but uh, you know, she says, I never thought me posting about something I love. Yeah. will get taken down. And goes on to say, you know, being in Hawkeye is a privilege and thank you to all who welcomed me on set and all who are watching. I got to wonder so, like what, what kind of complaint would have to have been made against her for Instagram to take or meta now to have taken action against that. Like, do we think that that was like purely algorithm, like based, like computer generated, like that's the first level is just an automated response. I don't think so. I've seen the post and I, Basically, it's just a picture of her and says she's back. Yeah, like what's so, like, you know, spoilers aside, there's no reason she can't show love for the character. Of course not. Action, yeah, 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 yeah. Especially after the episode. After already, it's aired. Yeah, it's airing. <laughs> you know, it's not a spoiler anymore for the majority of people who've watched it. The ridiculousness behind that is just. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we've got two more episodes left of Hawkeye currently streaming on Disney Plus and uh, two more. And uh, we've got well, how many? Let's talk about uh, dangling plot threads here. Oh, we've, we got so to deal. Many. We got to deal with Jack. Got to deal with Jack. We got to deal with Mom. Got to deal with Mom. Now we've got Yelena in the mix. We still have to wrap up the tracksuit mafia and right. Maya. Uh, we've got to find out who Uncle is. Yeah. And uh, there's a thing floating around the internet today about that. Okay. It's kind of fun. Uh, it's a rip on the old Uncle Buck. Uh, 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 Uncle the, Fisk. The Uncle cruel. Fisk movie poster. Yeah, he's cruel, he's brutal, he's family. <laughs> totally riffing on the Uncle Buck. I like that in the sense that, I mean, whoever put that together, uh, first of all, nailed it. Yep. Um, but look at the little uh, the little teaser there on the side of that. Yeah, Daredevil just peeking in a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, we've been talking about this now. This is the second episode in a row where we've, we've talked extensively about uh, Wilson Fisk coming back. Uh, we talked about Charlie Cox last week, potentially yep. coming back. One other thing that came out, uh, I just saw this earlier today. I don't know if it, it uh, came out today or not, but uh, I saw today there was some some rumor that if and when uh, Daredevil makes his appearance in the MCU, he will be wearing his yellow costume. Hmm. So take that for what it is. Uh, it's purely speculation, but hey, that's what we do here. Yes, we do. <laughs> I didn't speculate. I am just passing the information on. So don't, don't blame me if it doesn't happen. Yeah. All you can do is call it. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to call this one. Uh, this one's probably uh, my favorite episode so far. Uh, I still, I love the, the, the car scene in the, the other episode with yeah. the, the 360 one, degree it's, thing. Uh, it's fast paced. It's yeah. got lots of uh, forward momentum and, yeah, I loved the I loved the pacing. I loved how tight it was. I love the uh, revisiting uh, Clint's trauma through his own through his perspective. Yeah, uh, and how that relates to his his now budding relationship with Kate. Uh, I really liked digging into sort of the, his psychology, if you will. Yeah, the mentor <laughs> aspect is certainly taking hold. Yeah, and now I'm uh, I'm eagerly awaiting to see. Uh, clearly, we're going to see the new costumes uh, in the next two episodes. But I also am curious to see what the LARPers get out of it. <laughs> get some slick stuff. Yeah. New chain mail and all that. It makes you wonder, like, if the LARPers will play a role in, in dealing with the tracksuits. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, the this, this like, force of, like, uh, of medieval dressed, uh, like, <laughs> LARPers show up to take on the tracksuit guys. It's possible, though, because don't forget. They're all emergency them, yeah. services. Police, firemen, ambulance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They would be showing oh, up in a God. scene like that anyway. So exactly, and I, I, if they happen to show up directly from their latest uh, uh, LARPing adventure, that could make for some super duper uh, comedy gold, if you ask me. I think so. <laughs> wow! So uh, episode uh, four. Yep. And uh, we can call that one. Uh, put that one in the bank. I, I think so. Uh, what'd you think? I liked it. Me too. Anything else you want to talk about before we uh, wrap it up for tonight? No, I got. Uh, I got mine all out in the year and excellent. We got uh, two more to go. 
Uh, keep in mind uh, when we get to episode six, we are going to be it's going to be an extra special week that week because we will be uh, overlapping with our first episode of the book of Boba fandom and uh, new trailer for that came out early uh, earlier this week. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you do, because it's going to uh, influence a lot of what we're going to talk about going forward. Yeah, got our Christmas episode coming up. Uh, if all goes well, we're going to have a, uh, a, a pre-recorded episode for you guys so that we don't actually have to work on Christmas. Um, but, uh, it will definitely be Christmas themed and we'll put that out for you on uh, December 25th, 2021. Uh, but until, until our next one, aha, that's it for me. So, uh, for fandom power, I'm Wes, I'm Andy, and we'll uh, catch you later guys. Bye for now. Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.